I am Liz Wright. Welcome to Live Your Best Life. The only thing that matters now is living by the power of this wonderful new creation life. We're going to become an undefeatable force of radiating glory, and we are rising up strong now in this hour. Hi, family all around the world. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode, amazing episode of Live Your Best Life with me, of course, Liz Wright. And today you're in for such a massive treat. I'm so excited and so honored to be able to be welcoming into the show with me today, a man that has traveled the globe, travels the globe many times every year, quite a lot of the time. He's traveled with people like Randy Clark for a number of years. He's now the COO of Iris Global, a ministry course with Roland and Heidi Baker, people we absolutely love and honor and are so thankful for. It is, of course, the amazing Will Hart. Will, welcome to the show. Hi, so good to be here. I, I, to be honest, I have, uh, I've been, <laughs> I've been inundated by people who are so excited that I'm going to be on more than almost any other podcast I've been on that you have a you have an amazing following and like diehard fans <laughs> we definitely do yeah. like I just you got guys. a text or like send me a picture that you're on like yeah oh, it's yay. Yeah, oh, we'll have yeah. to definitely do that and post it. Yeah, we just, I mean, I was saying to Will before as well, you guys out there so hungry. Everybody's just so hungry for encounter right now and authentic intimacy with Jesus right now. Of course, Will, you live it. You absolutely live it. And I mean, you move in signs and wonders and miracles and healings and radical obedience and just out of passionate love for Jesus. I know, you know, just you are one of the rare breed on earth that is truly by the grace of God, a laid down lover. And you carry a contagious, just contagious love for him. And yeah, I've seen the real thing over and over and over. And you experience it real, the fruit of a real intimate walk with Jesus, what it looks like. So, so I wanted to dive in, Will, and just start with asking you, where did it all change for you when you were living one way of life? And I know you were absolutely, you know, Holy Spirit just fell on you and yeah. your whole life changed. So can we start there? Would you share with sure. us what happened? Sure. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family. My, my parents got saved when I was really, really young. Um, and I remember, I remember coming home and watching my mom crying by the radio. Uh, she had listened to Christian radio and uh, she's an artist. So she would stay, she was in her studio at, at our house. And I was really young, probably four, four or five, younger than five. And uh, she, I came home from school one day. She was weeping by the radio. I said, what happened, mom? She said, I met Jesus today. And, and that, that changed everything um, in, in our house. And uh, yeah, very quickly, she ended up in a Assemblies of God Pentecostal tent meeting. And there got baptized uh, by the Holy Spirit. And, and that's when things ramped, like ratcheted up to a new level. You know, she, uh, she, we were kind of like this hippie, earthy, crunchy family. Um, <laughs> I'm the youngest of three. And, and so when you kind of mix uh, that, that hippie lifestyle with a little bit of the Holy Ghost and the artist thing, we just went full bore. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I remember Jesus coming in, not because uh, of, of an incredible transformation. I was too young to really probably understand that. But I remember I remember all the stuff that we weren't allowed to do anymore, right? So when I was introduced to Jesus, it wasn't, 
it was like, oh, you no longer have a weekend to yourself. You can't watch cartoons anymore. You know, um, you can't, we can't do Halloween anymore. You know, stuff like that. My, my introduction to the Lord was that. And yeah, but, but all throughout these years, as I grew up around it, uh, I, I did have these encounters with the Lord because um, I was hauled around to all these meetings and all these gatherings. But around 12 years old, I found uh, the wonderful world of drugs <laughs> and, and, and heavy metal, uh, which, right. which was, I loved music. I still love music today. I play, I play the bass and guitar and other instruments. Yeah, um, but I found, I found this love for, for, yeah, the darker things in the world and uh, went full, full fledged into it. So by the time I was 17, um, I was pretty, pretty far gone. I was uh, using drugs every day. I was a serial kleptomaniac. I couldn't leave a store without having something on me. I was depressed. I, you know, I was a cutter. And when it, when I felt it, I, you know, suicidal thoughts, depression, state issued psychiatrist. Um, yeah, I was, I was going after witchcraft and anything, anything to fill the void. And mm -hmm. at 17, my senior year of high school walked into the basement of a town hall in Hamilton, Massachusetts, that a small assemblies of God church was holding these revival meetings at. And uh, the Holy Spirit fell on me and everything changed in that moment. And that night I started praying for people that night. I, I, I dedicated myself to the Lord and uh, haven't stopped. It's been 22 years. Haven't stopped. Oh. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. It's very, very encouraging, really, really encouraging and empowering for people because obviously where you came from, you mm. know, and it's that one encounter, isn't it? That one authentic encounter yeah. with the living God yeah. and your life is just completely transformed. I mean, the fact that you were then delivered into, you know, just running hard after him, it's like, no matter what people are struggling with, you know, there's nowhere too dark, right? You're never out of reach. No of his love he just get he grabs hold of us and just what he does with our little tiny lives is just mind-blowing that's amazing so what happened next was where, where did you how did you end up going from there to then traveling with randy clark yeah. and then into the life you know of radical being a ra radical for god and you just laid down so what was that process yeah so um i went back to school the next day and everything changed so I, I was wearing black every day, right? Like it was, I was, I had a little tick, a uh, tick of the goth in my life. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I remember waking up the next morning, putting on a blue polo and a pair of khakis. It was the only thing I had that really wasn't black. And, uh, and I went to church or I went to school and I just homeroom. I remember uh, weeping at the table and just being like, I, everything's changed. I, I got touched by God. Very quickly, I lost all my friends. Uh, and I, I didn't have a lot going for me in the natural. Like I wasn't this, you know, I was a thespian, uh, you know, I, I was kind of like part of the, the crowd that just did drugs and was depressed a lot at, at high school. And, um, so when I say I lost my friends, it wasn't like I lost a ton, right. I, I was just, I don't know. I was just living my life waiting for the days to pass. I was failing school. So I didn't have a lot going for me. It wasn't like Jesus or go to college. I didn't, <laughs> I don't think I, I wasn't accepted into any colleges at that point. So, so when he touched me, for me, it was very simple. It was, he wasn't real, right. Uh, in my life for years, he wasn't real. It was, um, 
it was emotionalism, it was fanaticism, it was, um, you know, these religious pious people that had good hearts, but and were nice people, but there was nothing, there was no substance underneath them. So mm-hmm. when 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 the Holy Spirit touched me, when Jesus came and filled me up, set me free, washed me in his blood, like this, it, the, the only way I can describe, and this isn't a good description, the only way I describe it is like a math equation, like one plus one equals two, right? God wasn't real. Now he's real. I can't deny him. And if God's real, if, if actually the creator of the universe is real, and he's and not only is he real, he's touching me, he's filling me up with his spirit, and uh, he's he's using me because I, I prayed for someone that night, and the power of the Holy Spirit filled him up and touched him. If he's using me, how can I go back to just eating granola in the morning and and rolling on to my life? Like it, if God's real, how can I continue on with life as normal? It, it it didn't make sense, and still to this day, it doesn't make sense when people encounter the Holy Spirit in a powerful way that they just continue on like doing their life. Um, it, so for me, it broke me, the off switch broke that day. And I said, if he's real, everything I have is yours and I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. If you can touch me in my worst, in my darkest, in my depression, in my anger, then you can touch anyone. Like there was, it was like, Oh, I can take this anywhere and do anything, but Holy spirit, you know, (laughs) come with me. Don't leave me just to do this in my own strength. And so I started praying and fasting. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just started praying. And and I said, God, I'll go anywhere. And I started following around the minister. His name was Bob Bradbury. I started following him around to any meeting he was doing. And I would just carry his Bible um, without his permission. I'd grab it after the service and I'd stick it up under my arm and make sure he... He's yeah. he the guy that you talk about who had a plan to shut down the Toronto? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was outpouring. Amazing, amazing. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I've heard some of your stories. He, no, no, no. It's like the radical, whole thing's radical a mess. Guy. And he was chaotic too. He was a he, even when he was a minister, he was weird and crazy. And but the, man, the Holy Spirit used him so powerfully, and and so. I started following him around and I basically didn't give him a choice except to disciple me. And, and, and I, and he took me under his wing. And so, uh, so after about six months, he goes, I'm going on a trip to Paraguay. I said, Oh man, I've always wanted to go to Africa. Um, and he's like, no, we're going to South America. I I failed. I failed geography as well. Um, and I went out there on a two week trip and it was during that time I saw the Lord really use me, uh, in healing. And I saw cancer dissolve and I saw uh, wow. deaf ears open and, and, and I was getting ready to fly home after two weeks. And the Lord spoke to me, I was packing my bags. The Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to move here. And so I walked out as we're getting ready to go to the airport. I said, Bob, I feel like the Lord wants me to move here. And he stood up in the hotel lobby, little coffee shop. And some of the pastors of the church that we visited were there saying goodbye. He goes, Hey, anybody got a place for this kid? I was 17 to, to live. And, uh, and one guy raised his hand, he goes, see, he said, I got you a place, go pack up your stuff back at home and move out here. And so the day my class was graduating high school, I was on a plane to Paraguay, and I moved into the closet of this youth pastors, five year old and eight year olds bedroom, literally their closet had a sheet as a door, and uh, lived there for two and a half years, almost three years, and watched God in the closet. In the closet. Yeah, I stayed in the closet for about uh, I don't know, it was about a, a year, maybe eight months, and then they finally built a little uh, 
a little uh, apartment for me on the top of their house. And I stayed there and watched God move. Um, and I traveled all over Paraguay, seeing miracles, signs and wonders, ended up in the White House of Paraguay after about six months living there. Um, I prayed for uh, a kid that was in a coma uh, in the hospital. And about a half hour after we left, he was in a coma for two months, sat up out of the coma, two liters of water drained from his brain. And, uh, and he, and he was moved from intensive care. They were, they called, they called us in because they were going to pull the plug on him. And, uh, in that day he moved to just out of intensive care and he walked out of there, I believe a week later, walked out of the hospital and that, that news spread. I ended up in the white house. The president's wife ended up calling me. Uh, and it was just, it was just, it just started happening. And, um, and then I didn't know this, but Randy Clark was sitting back in uh, St. Louis or Pennsylvania, wherever he was at the time. And he was reading the testimonies that would go out. And uh, when, when the Lord did speak to me to move back to America, I got a phone call from Randy saying, come travel with me. And that opened up really everything else that's taken place in my life since then. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Baptism of fire. Hey, like you, yeah. I mean, what I love, Will, is that you, you were absolutely baptized with Jesus and then you just went like yeah. that. I love it. Like there was just no way back. I get yeah. it in my own life in a very different way. It was, it was black, white, mm. you know, one, one day, one moment, my life was this. And I thought life was reality was X and then Jesus came and yeah. I realized everything I'd ever believed was, was not the truth. Who we are of immense value, who he is, he's real, he's resurrected, you know, he's, he's risen from the grave. He's very much alive and he's, and he's, he fills us by his spirit. I mean, just amazing. Okay. I wanted, there's so many things I want to ask you. Um, okay. So next thing I wanted to say to you, just to, just to give some more glory to the Lord, will you share, like, I mean, I know there's hundreds and hundreds for you, literally hundreds, but Will you share with us one of like the things that stick out, one of the most amazing experiences where you've seen Jesus move on your travels? Is there one that you can I pull? mean, it, you know, it's a spectrum. I mean, obviously the one on, you just shared is amazing. <laughs> depending on the audience, you know, I, I always get asked this question. And... We're a radical audience, so wherever <laughs> you want to go is fine. No, 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 I, it's all radical. That's the wonderful thing about obedience, right? Yeah. Jesus said in John, John 14, right? If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Yeah. And I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth through the world cannot understand because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives inside of you, right? Obedience. I don't look at it as radical. Like, and I know that I'm not trying to be like cute. I, I, I look at obedience as an act of love to yeah. our savior. And so yeah. in that, in, in obedience, we're going to see things right? But it's all him. It's all, yeah. it's all radical. Like my, for me, some of the most radical things I've witnessed are my children, you know, encountering the Lord or, or, yeah. you know, my, my family coming to the Lord, because it's like, it's so radical for me, because it touches me so deeply. Of course, the deaf, the blind, the lame. I've, I've seen crazy, crazy things that I get nervous to even put out online, because people, you just get chiseled away at by by critics which i don't care about but it's like honestly the most the most radical thing i've seen and this this might not be the direction or the most recent radical thing i've seen was was on my trip in mozambique 
um, gosh, it's got to be close to a year ago, or maybe eight months ago, I was in Mozambique. Um, and I saw our pastors who are facing massive persecution. And they, they told me stories of, of how their children were decapitated and shot and their wives kidnapped and their and still to this day are, you know, just, they told me the most horrific stories I've ever heard. And I've been doing this 22 years, going into some crazy places. I've seen a lot, I've heard mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we run a, a missions organization. So we're, and our, and our goal is to send people to the worst, the, the most broken. So in that mm -hmm. chaotic stories are a commonplace. Uh, but I listened to the, to the worst, the most horrific, uh, to the point where uh, there was five pastors that were sharing their stories of um, people coming in and invading their, their, their homes, shooting their kids and kidnapping their families and starvation and burning their homes. And, and uh, I got through the third, halfway through the third pastor telling me the story. And I ran out and I just, it was so physically violating these stories. And I'm a dad um, that I ended up just losing my lunch out in the sink away from them. And yeah. I came back in and heard the last of the stories that they were sharing. And at the end, I was, I was angry, right? I love Jesus. But what the heck, God, why, are, why is this going on? I trust you. We, at Iris, we one of our core values is we'll suffer for him if necessary. So we've right. all been in dangerous places. But but God, this one does not make sense at all. This doesn't fit anything. And I, and I feel like I have an understanding on some of this. Mm. Uh, and at the end, we worshiped. And I, and I saw this pure, holy, passionate worship coming out of the worst circumstances I'd ever heard. And it wasn't just like people around that were worshiping. It was these are the ones whose children were brutally uh massacred and the, out of the moms and dads they're worshiping the king and i saw a faith that i had never seen before i saw a passion that i had never experienced before and it frustrated me because i didn't have it and so i travel i preach i read the word and uh i was shocked at how little i knew of him and uh, I don't know if this is the way you want to go, but this is the most impactful right. thing that's happened in my life uh, recently. Honestly, and Will, I feel undone by what you're sharing, the yeah, incomprehensible yeah. suffering. I actually listened to Heidi sharing mm. the last time she came back into the States about the persecution yeah. that your family community in Mozambique are enduring mm. and the horrendous pain and suffering that's incomprehensible. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. even dare to say that I understand. I've been through suffering, but not like that. You know, when yeah. it's your families, your children, your loved ones in front of you. And the it's like you, it's the same. It's very convicting in a very holy way. It's very moving and actually life-changing. This is a life-changing moment, you know, because yeah. like you said, when you see that kind of faith that kind of love for Jesus in the midst of that kind of suffering, you have to know him. Mm. You have to know him, don't you? And you, like you said, you realized in that moment, you, you didn't know him like they knew him. You didn't, yeah. 
you weren't able to express that kind of love. And it is the kind of love we don't want to go through that kind of suffering, do we? But the grace he gives us in the midst of it, it's yeah. it's relative to our lives, isn't it? To the, yeah. the things that we go through. But when we find him in the midst of suffering, when he trusts us in the fellowship of his sufferings, to, to, to use that scripture from that perspective where he will walk us into situations that are incomprehensible and then be there, be yeah. our strength, be the miracle, be the supernatural God in the midst of it. It's, um, wow. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was, it was mind boggling. And so the next, the next day we went and did a feeding cause we we're, we're passing out about 35,000 meals a day. And, um, wow. and so we're there and we're, we're in, we're in one of the camps with the IDPs and, and I watch these same men get up and preach the gospel with joy and dancing. They're calling people in. And, and they were jumping around, leaping for joy. And the whole camps, these, wow. this whole is full of people that have, that all have the same stories as the pastors, right? And, uh, and I, I grabbed them afterwards and I was like, help, like, just help me. Like, I get this, I understand it, but like, help me understand uh, just help me. I, 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 it was just, I couldn't process it. And the pastor said, um, he said, look, he said, look, look, they're here. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming in. He said, we've been trying to reach these people and now they're coming to us. Like they saw the goodness of God. They saw a miracle in the midst of this chaos. They saw, but look, all these tribes we've been trying to reach, they're here right now. And let's, let's, let's preach. And, and one of the pastors said, you, you can burn my, my, my family, you can burn my home, you can burn my house, you can burn my food, but you cannot burn this Jesus out of me. And, uh, and it just, it just, it just shook me, it shattered me to my core. And I, and I, and I, let me just say this, like, I love revival. I've given my life for revival. I've, I've, I've traveled the globe in pursuit of his presence, in pursuit of wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to do. And, and I think the hardest part is to come back and go to the Western church and say, look, they're still in revival. There's still revival, like revival hasn't stopped. We're, they're still planting churches, over, over 5,000 churches planted in Mozambique, three, just over 3,000 in the Northern provinces. And, and that revival is still going on in the midst of this. And, and so the, mirac the miraculous is, is this boldness of faith and passion and zeal. And of course, miracles are still processing and it messes with our mind to go, miracles are still taking place. The, the deaf are still here, he, are hearing, the, the blind are seeing, but the backdrop is, is, is incredible persecution. But, but all that being said, this is the advancing of the gospel. This is the early 300 years, the first 300 years of the church, the apostolic age, the anti-Nicene age of the church. This is mm -hmm. how Rome became a Christian nation. And, and for me, um, his goodness and our comfort, uh, that's the, the, what, what's hit me the most during the season is his goodness and our comfort uh, don't always look the same, right? And mm -hmm. I think his goodness can look like our comfort, but at the same time, his goodness can look like, that doesn't have to look like it, our, our physical comfort. And right. he's good in the midst of it all. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I can tell you stories of, 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 of witch doctors coming to the Lord. I can tell you stories of, of temples uh, in India 
and the in crazy where Jesus appears. I love those. I love those. Totally. And I can, and I can totally. t- tell those for days. Totally. Yes. But, yes. but that recently, that's been the most impactful, uh, impactful yeah. thing that's, that's taken place in my life. Yeah. I mean, obviously none of us want to walk through what you guys have been experiencing, but like you say, it's Acts three, isn't it? It's like, and it's the early church experience. And like you said, it was, it's what destroyed Rome, Mm. this radical laid down love where above all we, by his grace, somehow he gets us to that place where there's just nothing else except him, except him. It's like, you know, Acts three, look upon their threats, Lord, and grant us with boldness and the spirit of god fell in the place they were in and the building shook and they moved out in power and preached the gospel with radical signs and wonders and power and you're living it you're living it aren't you literally liz let me let me just say this like i'm not living it i i i i i and i think it's really important that i say this i'm sharing a story of brothers and sisters Brothers and sisters, not nameless, faceless, our family, our community, our pastors, our missionaries, our team out there, they are the ones that are living in this. I I don't know if I could sit here. I think probably one of the things that struck me the most is like, I don't know if I could do that. I, I, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's hard. Like when you're like, I'm missionary and I'm radical and like, I do all these things. And, you know, I don't know if I could do, I don't know if I could do that. But I want to share the story of of those who are, and at the Absolutely. same time, tell people like it, it's okay if you're not right. But but at the end of the day, you know Jesus, he he he's in the midst of all of this. The worst, you know, my wife had stage four cancer. That was for me the biggest the biggest thing that I had ever faced. That was a few years ago, and he and he met us there in the in the middle of of, of our worst there, and 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 he met and he's meeting these pastors in the middle of the worst. So it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what's going on. It, it, he is the pearl of great price, and he has the ability to to meet us in the middle of of anything. But Liz, right now, one of the fastest growing church movements on planet Earth is is in Iran. It's I in heard. Iran, yeah, and and yeah. they're having dreams and visions and visitations, and the churches being churches being planted at an astronomical rate, and it's happening in with the backdrop of of persecution, giving your life unto death. Jesus, Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear about your bodies for the pagans run after these things. And he's saying this and 11 of the 12 that he's saying this to were, were, were tortured for their faith. And so even in the midst of knowing like Jesus knows how they're going to die and, and he's going, don't worry about any of this stuff your life, your body, what you wear, your clothes, just none of that is what we're called to worry about. And, and I just my prayer, my prayer for the body of Christ, especially the, the revival movement is that we don't just grab a hold of the things that tickle our ears. But we enter into the fullness and we see that, that Jesus is not just looking, uh, that his blessings look look different than what we might think they look like and his and and his 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 greatest blessing his greatest miracle is that those who do not know him come to know his love his grace and are covered by his blood 
and mm-hmm. and and we need to keep that in our movement where mm-hmm. where i will not I, I will not back down on the on the supernatural the 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 the, the miracles signs and wonders the glory encounters i will not back down on that but mm-hmm. but but the call the reason for the filling just like he touched me when i was 17 was not so that i could just go around and tell everybody about how i got filled it was right. so i could go and give my life away yeah. and and it doesn't matter where people are at what nation they're at what city, what country, what job they're at. No, no, no. The call is the same. The call is the same. And, uh, and he meets us there in the middle of it and he calls us deeper. Uh, and those who have ears, let them hear, you know, Wow! to live literally. There's nothing else. Hey, I mean, when you're speaking, it's, there's just this contagious, I'm sure guys, you can feel this is this contagious passion that comes off you because of the the one you know and the life you live and what you've seen and what you've experienced. It's just to, above all else, to know him. And one moment experience Jesus' love, you are, you are compelled, aren't you? You are compelled. You have to give away who you know. And um, yeah, okay, we have about two minutes left. Well, gosh, that went in a flash. I could just, I could talk to you for hours, but at the same time, I feel completely wrecked talking to you honestly i just want to go and lie down with jesus and repent no no i mean whatever <laughs> you need to do but like take me good. to know you where you are <laughs> but this is his goodness his goodness it's, this is his goodness his goodness is that he calls us and sends us right. and the privilege and we say that we yes can know because him. he's worthy he is worthy yeah and just the to know him hey just to know him to know the living god it's just beyond really the greatest privilege who will and we've got about two minutes left please would you pray for the family just whatever's in your power yes i would love to yeah thank you father i i thank you uh for all of those who are watching today we just give you all the praise all the honor all the glory you are the pearl of great price king jesus not a man not a message it is you it is all you it is all you king jesus Father, I, I pray over each and every one that's listening, God, that, that uh, yeah, there, I just, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that everyone is in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I, I, I ask that even as people hear something that, that might be a challenge, God, that there would be no condemnation. No, I, I just break off any lie that says you, you're not enough or you're not, you don't know him enough. No, I break that lie in Jesus' name. And I just, I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you begin to fall on our hearts? Would you position us, Lord? Uh, Lord, I ask for radical obedience in the hearts of every believer. Lord, I thank you that as they're encountering your presence, they're encountering your words, as they're going deep in the word, Lord, that you would draw us into you. And Lord, I ask that you would just begin to point people in the right direction. Lord, I thank you for an obedient tribe god i thank you for an obedient people lord and we just say here we are lord take us choose us use us and holy spirit holy spirit fill us up from the tops of our heads to the soles of our feet lord giving us everything that we need to fulfill this glorious call of the gospel i speak life over each and every one of you i just say you're called you're worthy you're set apart for the things of the gospel you you are called you are worthy and lord i thank you even as you take fishermen 
even as you take fishermen that after you die, abandon and go back to fishing, God, you meet us on the shore and make us breakfast and call us back into the thing. And I break any lie over anyone that's gone into ministry and pulled out or because the season and whatever, all that's going on, Lord. And I just say, Lord Jesus, stand on the shoreline and call them back with a miraculous catch of fish this season. Lord, cook them breakfast and call them by name in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Sorry, I got, I went in, <laughs> I went over the two minute oh, mark. Oh man, oh man, yeah. that was just so important, so powerful. We're in agreement and fresh grace, Holy Spirit, that they would, we would love Jesus in the manner in which he's worthy. Mm. That our, our obedience would be the overflow of our love relationship with you, Jesus. We want to be able to love you with all our hearts, all mind and strength. Lord, like beyond anything else, I thank you for this. Actually, in the midst of this conversation today is a holy invitation to come to know you even more deeply, more completely, not to fear the circumstances, but to know the one who is the solution in the midst of it all, who is the purpose of life. Holy. Wow. 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 We agree. Whew. Holy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Really, thank you, and thank you for sharing something that's uh, so precious. And oh, so thank you wonderful. so much, Liz. Appreciate yeah. it. It's really, yeah. really nice to meet you. I, I can you see why too. everybody loves. Uh, just speaks so highly of you. Oh, yeah, and yeah. you too, and you too. It's great to meet you, and hopefully in person in the not too distant. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> it will. It will. <laughs> and guys, thank you for tuning in today. Have the most amazing week. Enjoy spending a bit more time if you can now with Jesus and just responding to this. This was a very holy conversation today and love you guys. Be with you next week. What you have in the province of Cabo Delgado is, you know, it's a long history of poverty, so that's tricky. They found um, a lot of natural resources, and and there's always that frustration then when the people in that area don't feel like they're getting the benefit. People who are unemployed and frustrated can be an easy target for radicalization. It just metastasized from there, and and now we're seeing a lot of uh, attacks against Christians just because of their faith. People were pouring out of the north part of the province into the south, which is where Pemba is. In the last year, numbers went from about 200,000 people who had fled to now 700,000 people have fled. 74% of that group of 700,000 is women and children. And they leave with nothing because these attacks happen sometimes in the middle of the night and you just have to get out as fast as you can. Two to three times a week, our teams are going out on distribution. And one of the things that we did before this whole crisis was go out and, and feed people and bring the gospel. So we, this is just scaled up pretty big because the need is right outside the door and so intense.
We're working up towards feeding 30,000 people a day. Those are both from the internally displaced people and then also the extremely needy people in the area already. We are putting together farming kits. Most of the people that we're serving were farmers, and so this gives them a chance to rebuild their livelihood. We have an amazing well drilling rig. The government's not permitting us to go out into the rest of the province to drill, so we've been able to drill wells in these areas where IDPs are concentrating, so they have clean water. We're helping people with building more permanent shelters, um, and all this is combined with sharing the gospel. There are a lot of people that ask, what can we do? I mean, obviously, we're all deep in prayer, just asking for peace to return to the province. There's extraordinary need in just terms of the practical. It's, it's little things like buying someone a bucket so they can wash their clothes again and um, getting someone clothes who fled with nothing. Rollins sent out an email yesterday and he said he'd just come back from a distribution and he said, you know, there's, we're putting 75 pound bags in people's arms of rice and beans and all the stuff to go away, but he said what they really want is the gospel. Obviously physically hungry, but so spiritually hungry and recognize that Jesus is a source of hope.